You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We're here still talking about Westworld Season 2. This week is going to be Episode 8, I believe. Yeah, eight, Episode 8. I thought it was Kiksuya. Kiksuya. That probably that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, John, gonna hit it. we have a lot of geek news for this week. Yeah, it's almost too much to handle. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Westworld, Game of Thrones and Westworld is, is not... HBO is not going to bring either one of them to uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. And, like, literally not uh, uh, anything from HBO, apparently. Like, I don't know if, if Silicon Valley had a presence at San Diego Comic-Con or not. But, yeah, Westworld. I know Westworld and Game of Thrones was definitely there last year. And uh, it's interesting that they're not going to be there this year. Well, at least not Westworld. So, what I pose to you is that with next season being the the last season... Will they be bringing... Because by the time San Diego Comic-Con happens, the season should already be over, I believe, if it if it debuts around the same time that it usually does. Uh, will they bring in the, the that cast of, of that show in to do a last panel, or did we already have our last panel with that cast last year? That's a very good question. I would say it would be a missed opportunity not to bring them in next year. Um, because I mean, it would be free publicity, and it would be a really good opportunity to just have all the cast come in and, you know, give one last hurrah and sign autographs, sell merchandise. It it just would not make any sense for them not to come back. Like I don't see this as a permanent thing. I think they're just really wrapped up in the whole process right now. And are they still filming? Is yeah, they're, they're filming yeah, right now. So. Which is, I I think, one of the reasons why we had so much trouble with the uh, whole reshoots of. Uh, Dark Phoenix and, and New Mutants because both Stark sisters are in those movies, so they couldn't get away from the shooting of West or Game of Thrones. Game of Westworld has got to be one of the maybe. which, with the long time in between for Westworld. I mean, I wonder if we're gonna even have a Westworld next summer, a season next summer. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well. On that note, though, do we know if they've been greenlit for an, a third season? Actually, I don't know that for a fact, so who yeah. knows? Maybe they don't even have a... Maybe season two ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, hope you like cliffhangers. If so. that's true, though, that would be a real sad if they don't, they didn't, that they don't show up this year. Yeah, but, uh, I'm sure, you know what, I'm, I'm almost positive they'll probably turn out in one of the other cons that's uh, further along in the year. So, like New York Comic Con, something or WonderCon or whatever, any of the ones that's still 
pending. Okay, fair enough. Um, now a story that that came out this 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 week that's really close to my heart. Uh, I even interviewed a guy on on our Geekly Radio uh, that did a fan film for the Gargoyles, but. Jordan Peele walked into Disney and said, I would like to do a Gargoyles live action film. And Disney uh, is apparently just like dragging their feet on it, being like, uh, we'll think about it. Because I'm, I'm guessing he threw you in there and he kind of wanted to do something that might be a little, a little bit more risque than they're wanting to do with that IP. Yeah, I mean, if you ever wanted to see what's under Goliath's loincloth... I don't think that's what they were going to do, okay? <laughs> I mean, we saw Get Out. It's nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think of a Gargoyles live-action film but directed by Jordan Peele? I wasn't the biggest fan of Gargoyles, only because it was on a channel I couldn't watch when I was growing up. Um, not like it was some kind of moral thing. I just didn't have access to it. Okay. Um, so I I kind of just missed out on the whole Gargoyles thing, but I know how much it means to a lot of people. My right. best friend growing up was really big into Gargoyles, and pretty much everybody that remembers it is, uh, you know, holds a really special place for it. And I I get the gist of it. It's you know it was kind of a mature, dark, uh, good story um, that had dealt with a lot of uh, like medieval, legendary stuff as well as modern day noir kind of storytelling so i'd be interested i mean we already know that jordan peele is pretty good director yeah (laughs) he's got a good sensibility so i mean unless disney just really really wants to hedge all their bets on the uh, marvel and star wars trains maybe they don't want to start another franchise but i don't know i think that uh you know obviously they're marvel and and disney's gonna do well for them forever but disney's a big enough conglomerate you know, conglomeration, corporation, you know, entity that they could have, they could get someone else in there to make some gargoyles movies. I would, I would imagine. I mean, if the problem is they just don't want somebody talented to direct the movie, then they have plenty of mediocre hacks to choose from to do it. But <laughs> no, I just think that I, you know, I just think that it, it, uh, it's just a strange thing. It's, I just think it's strange that they haven't done anything with that IP, like. We're going back and remaking all their classic Disney movies into live action. I mean, we just we got a Dumbo trailer this week. Why? Why Isn't wouldn't by they... Tim Burton of all people? Yeah, of all people, um, why not make a gar? Why not do something with the Gargoyles IP? I mean, even if you just wanted to make a new TV show, just start, just make it. I think the problem with Disney. I mean, it's, this is probably isn't a great stretch of the imagination. It's it's run by committee, and one this huge obviously has a lot of people in it that you'd have to convince about this that means there's who knows how many board members and vice chairs and whoever that you'd have to first catch up on what the hell gargles is why it means anything and then convince them that the fan base is still there and would show up for it mm. i think they'd rather just go with the things that are proven true or at least on paper seem like they're good ideas and i mean what other except for the 30-somethings like us that would be like, oh, man, that'd be really cool. Like, how would that resonate with the rest of the audience that they would need in order to make this a blockbuster and make a profit? Uh, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but, you know, with the the idea that, you know, Gargoyles, the TV show hit with so many, hit so many different, like, genres, I, I, I think that it would, it would still do well. But, I mean, I, that's me looking through, you know, uh, with the, my kid heart eyes kind of thing, so... <laughs> 
another animated show from our childhood, Aeon Flux. This one's a little different. <laughs> I mean, it already got a live action movie with Charlize Theron back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, didn't do, wasn't successful. But now it looks like uh, MTV might be rebooting it for another live action series. That'll be interesting, um, especially if they stay with the original style of the shorts in which she died at the end of every adventure she went on. Right. And it'd be really cool if they explained it like, oh, well, there's just like hundreds of eons because she's a clone. Like they just send clones of eon everywhere. And I mean, I think with uh, what like what we've seen in Altered Carbon, and you know, I think the the concept isn't too far away that people would not be able to understand or anything like that. Actually, Altered Carbon would definitely be like a real good approximation of how that could work in live action. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, well, the showrunner, I guess, is going to be Jeff Davis, the, the 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 gentleman who who show runs Teen Wolf over at MTV. Uh, and I guess if you've seen how they took that from the Michael J. Fox, you know, movie and or Jason Bateman movie and then kind of <laughs> really changed it into something else for a teen drama. I, I don't know how you feel. I never watched the show, so I don't know. I've never you. watched the show. All I know is that it's a, a really, really big departure from the original movie. Right. Uh, from what I've heard. And I don't like what I've heard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds very Twilighty to it's, me. It sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> But it's been on for multiple seasons, so people like it. I mean, or tweens like it, I guess. Or there's, there's a lot of idiots out there. Well, you know, you can't fault them. They spend money, too. That's true, yeah. Uh, so, a fool and his money are soon parted, though. Uh, that's, that's that's right, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, Gail Ann Hurd also, who's a executive producer of The Walking Dead. I mean, it's got... I think it has the potential to be great. I just don't know what it could... I mean... I feel like Eon Flux needs to be very bloody, very visceral, and uh, you just can't really do that on MTV. I don't know. But then again, I don't know. I, they had the Scream show, which I guess got really bloody too. So, Yeah, it just I guess it just depends. I would rather it just stay animated because I think you can just do so much more with animation that you wouldn't be able to with real life anyway. But, I mean, if they're going to do it, I hope they just make it entertaining mm. keep it in that pg-13 realm unless they come up with some kind of deal with netflix in which case i'd be totally on board yeah because even if it's a train wreck it'd be a fun one it would at least be a fun one uh speaking of netflix and another show that we talked about on this one is uh, stranger things telltale games tweeted out this week we're delighted by the response uh, we're seeing to the idea of uh, minecraft's story mode coming to netflix in the fall as an interactive adventure, separately, we're thrilled to confirm that Telltale is developing a game based on the Stranger Things that will publish uh, to consoles and computers at a later date. Like, have you had any experience with the Telltale games? Yes. I played The Walking Dead Telltale game, and I really like it. It's interesting. It's like a virtual choose-your-own-adventure. And um, it's, I mean, slightly more interactive. So this is an interesting story because they're talking about two separate things. One is that they're going to start an interactive story game type thing on Netflix itself mm -hmm. within the service. How exactly that's going to work, nobody knows yet. Uh, but some people are thinking that you'll get prompts on the screen and you can like choose an option that will kind of direct the story in whatever way you want to see it. I would assume. Which makes sense. So they'll probably start beta testing that and... It'll be similar to that. 
Um, the other thing is the the actual game itself, the the Telltale game, which will be released on consoles and PC. Um, yeah, like I said, they're very interactive. So you still, from my experience, you still move around in a semi three D environment, and you interact with uh, objects in the in in the space, and you have conversation trees with um, other characters, and that dictates how the story is going to play out. Combined with a few quick time events here and there. Where like I don't know how they do it in the Game of Thrones or uh, Werewolf one that they release, but in Walking Dead, like that could be anything from like a zombie popping out of nowhere, and you have to start smashing buttons in the combination you see on the screen right. to free yourself, or you get eaten, and that's the end of your story. I think these also have permadeath too. Oh, really? Yeah. So basically, that would be the end of your story if you died at any point, and uh, I mean, you can always go back to a saved file, I guess, but. The idea is, um, yeah, it, you're, that's where your story would end, it, just like in real life. Like, oh, I guess that person didn't make it to the end. Mm. That's that's just how it goes. But I'm really intrigued. Um, I want to see how they do that with the upside down, with all of that stuff. Um, they're really good about also incorporating stuff from, like, well, in the case of um, Walking Dead, Walking Dead of incorporating stuff from the shows and I guess references from the comic books as well while still telling a, a like a unique individual story there's like there's definitely some crossover but it's its own thing and I, that sounds perfect for Stranger Things I definitely want to do that yeah no uh, and you know Netflix is I mean obviously they're they're venturing out and all their different things uh, they did the, the when they bought they bought the Miller World from Mark Miller or the rights for that stuff they started up a comic book line, which uh, what was it called? The the Magic Order is the first comic book that they um, are publishing. Like they're literally publishing a comic book. Like seems so weird for a TV show, movie streaming, you know, app to publish a, a physical comic book, but that's what they're doing. I, I wonder if they're also going to have like a motion comic, like a motion version of it, like on their on the to, that you can stream. Instead. That would be interesting, right? I mean, those die. I would watch that too. I would assume that. I mean, the whole idea is that the comic book gets published, and then eventually they'll make a animated version of it or a live action version of it. Uh, as as a lot of Mark Miller's stuff has been turned into live action. You know what? I'm surprised we haven't seen yet from like at least not embraced by the industry is um, downloadable codes so that you can 3D print stuff. Ooh, that's not that's not bad. So, like for instance, let's say you bought like the special edition DVD of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and it came with the QR code or the the I don't know the file, I guess, mm-hmm. so that you could print your very own like official Demigorgon or like the little uh, Dungeons and Dragons pieces that they have. You yeah, know, like, you could totally like they they could totally like charge you for it. So you're char- they're charging you for the idea, but then they literally don't have to spend any of the, mat- the money on the materials. Yeah, it's just the 3D model of something, and then you make it yourself. As long as you have a 3D printer. Yeah, yeah. or access to one. I'll or access those. to one. I'm like, I, I want to patent that idea if somebody hasn't done it yet. I think you can patent that idea. I want to claim credit for that idea. Okay, there you go. Hey, I mean... You could uh, always write into Netflix and be like, hey, I have an idea for you. Want to hashtag it, like hashtag print my shit or something. <laughs> I don't think that hashtag going <laughs> to catch on, but all right. Um, all right, over on Twitter. Also, James Gunn, director of the Guardians of the Galaxy, 
He went on to say, uh, someone had asked, uh, all these people getting upset when they aren't reading carefully enough, volume three will end the trilogy. Yeah, a trilogy usually means three. Mr. Gunn could you uh, could make more beyond the trilogy. And then he went on to answer this haunted drive-in. Uh, well, I mean, volume three will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films. So what do you take from that, this iteration of the Guardians? I think it means we'll move on from Drax, Star-Lord, and Gamora, and all of these guys. Rick, or Rocket, and, and Groot, and Mantis. And then maybe we'll get a prequel movie with... Uh, with the original Ravagers? Yeah. The, the, the original Guardians from the comic books, the yep. Stallone's character, and uh, Michael Rooker's character, and like all those, those people that showed up at the end of Volume, volume two. 2. Yep. I just think that, uh, I mean, I don't think we'll get a prequel to per se, but uh, I think we will still see the Guardians show up in other Marvel stuff coming after this. You just, like you said, we just might not get that particular team with Drax and Gamora and, uh, and Star-Lord and Rocket and Groot and Mantis. I kind of hope Rocket stays on Earth and becomes like, Tony Stark's like pet slash friend. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess that's a possibility. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess that also depends on you know what happens with Gamora after Avengers Four. If, Too true. If yeah. uh, now, have you heard about this? Um, James Gunn has said uh, very cryptically in a few tweets that there's several Easter eggs he hid in the movies that people still haven't found. I know th- I've always heard about the one that's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One that no one has ever found. Like he, he's like every you know everybody throws out the the Easter eggs and and all all and in that movie, but there's one that no one's ever mentioned to me. And uh, yeah, somebody on f- r- YouTube was commenting about that. Apparently, he's poured a lot of time into like analyzing every frame of these movies, and he says that he noticed a trend, and I'm kind of interested because he makes a very convincing case for it, where the trilogy of Guardians of the Galaxy is apparently going to be um, one huge metaphor for birth, because the first movie has a lot of DNA symbolism in it. Okay. Um, he points out, like in different scenes, like when they're being, um, uh, what do you call it? Like not interrogated, but you know, at the Nova Corps police headquarters or whatever. Okay. And they're showing you all their profiles and taking their mugshots. Right. There's a lot of emphasis on like their little DNA structures. To the point where the movie even ends with the little thing about how his DNA was special because it was half human and half something they've never seen before or in a very long time. Right. And everybody was like, oh, yeah. And even, uh, I believe, uh, Ronan the Accuser's ship kind of looks a little bit double helixy. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's a stretch, but it's it could be made, the argument. I mean, I guess, the, I mean, the also, you have to sit there and, I mean, you'd have to ask James Gunn exactly what his definition of easter egg is also well that brings it to the next one there's apparently a lot of egg imagery in guardians of the galaxy volume 2 right down to um ego's ship and uh all of the concepts of him impregnating women Mm -hmm. uh, all over the universe (laughs) which is a weird sentence to say when you think about it out loud right and um yeah so the first movie was supposed to be about uh the genetic material and then the second movie was about conception. So the speculation is that the third movie 
uh, the deep down symbolism that it's, it's going to be about birth or possibly rebirth. Uh, so that's really interesting when you think about it that way. So, I mean, the third movie being about rebirth, do you think that plays into the idea of... Uh, and, I mean, I, I don't know if I really need to say spoiler at this point for Infinity War. It's it's just crossed $2 billion, so it seems like everybody's seen it. But does that mean... you think? Do you think that has anything to do with maybe Gamora being brought back to life or being reborn or anything like that? I mean, that, that would... I, I would wonder if that he would have that much of a uh, of a foresight into when he was making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 to know that he was going to need to bring Gamora back to life in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Well, maybe that's what it's all about. I was like, how could we bring back Gamora? Maybe it turns out that their species can be like replanted like a tree, you know, like cut a limb off and... Like Groot? Yes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, we don't really know anything about Gamora's species. <laughs> Her physiology. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I like. I would really. I, w- I would love for him to eventually come out and say what that one Easter egg that he says no one has found in that first movie is. But well, maybe maybe that's twenty years down the line. No, they should just leave it unsolved, so it becomes the next you know, room two forty seven or whatever that was. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean that's definitely a possibility too. But and uh, there could literally be nothing, and he just he's like, yeah, sure. There's a Easter egg out there. Somebody pointed out too. I think it was in that same video that the uh, the area around the collector's building, um, if you look at it carefully, it's all references to the Avengers because there's a building that's shaped like Mjolnir. And there's a shape in the background that looks like Captain's shield. And there's another part that looks like an arc reactor. Really? Yeah. It's really interesting. Huh. I never would have noticed that until he pointed it out. And now I can't unsee it because but, I mean, it looks that's, so obvious. That's, I mean, that's literally a circle and a, a trapezoid. No, not trapezoid. Pentagon? Yeah, it's like a series of trapezoids all around the perimeter. Yeah. I so, I mean, those are common shapes. It's- yeah, but the the fact that all of these shapes are on there, I mean, once would be a coincidence. All of those, that's intentional. All right, fair enough. Um, well, look it up later, and then you decide for yourself. All right, we'll have to look it up later. You <laughs> McGregor, even though there's a lot of talk about him maybe starring in a Kenobi film sometime down the down the line in the in the Star Wars series. Uh, he is going to be playing adult Danny Torrance in the sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep. Now, I understand that the book is called Dr. Sleep, but do you think it's it's a good idea to keep the, the movie, the sequel, to be called Dr. Sleep? Because it doesn't really reference, or I don't know, does it? Does that actually reference uh, The Shining? I've never seen The Shining. I have no idea what Dr. Sleep means. It doesn't sound familiar. But I never read the original Shining book, so mm. I don't know. If that's something that's mentioned in there or not. I'm not even sure how it relates to this story itself because I read the synopsis and I'm like, so what does that have to do with the title? I mean, it's like the Danny's dream, the one that has the powers, design. right? Yeah, Danny has powers. He's got, well, yeah, he has the shining. He has the shining. The shining. <laughs> you want to get sued, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess that, that, that is kind of terrible of me. That's one of my blind spots in, in movies. I, I've never actually seen The Shining. 
I saw the made-for-TV remake with um, the dude from Wings. Oh, yeah. But other than that, I've never seen the actual Shining. Uh, I like the Shining. I think if you watch... uh, Well, you definitely have to see it first before you watch Room 237 or whatever that movie was called, that documentary. Is it 237? I think it's 237. 227? Maybe 227? Uh, It doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, it's really interesting. I mean, because... I, I had to watch it because I'm a Stephen King fan and I like Kubrick and I also right. like the conspiracy theory that it's about uh, Kubrick admitting that he filmed the moon landing oh, I mean, good Lord. there's a lot of really cool stuff in there about that so um, I mean it, it turned out to be a really fun movie I mean my idea of fun is definitely not the average <laughs> but it was just a really well done movie yep. and knowing that he tormented the cast in real life to make that movie like Shelley Duvall like lost a bunch of weight and was going bald from the stress I'm like man that's good filmmaking right there yeah no uh that I mean that's I've only heard great things about the movie and I, I you know it's 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 Kubrick is a prolific director uh I mean there's only maybe a few movies of his that I actually like and that's that's bad for a person that likes films but uh yeah it's so may, I'll probably end up having to rewatch it before Doctor Sleep comes out. Just, uh, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll get into talk a little bit something more that uh, that uh, I know that you have a uh, affinity for about the John Favreau's Star Wars TV show may start filming this fall. Uh, what do you think of that? Like, I know that we've we've talked a lot about Star Wars in the last month or so, especially with Solo coming out, and. Uh, the idea that we have all these upcoming projects coming out. How do you feel about this series right now? Well, until I know what the subject of the TV show is going to be, I don't have any interest in it, really. It's just a a nebulous, like, non-idea that's out there right now. Essentially, yeah. Until it starts taking shape and if it's something that I find appealing. Because I'm, while I was a huge Star Wars fan for most of my life, I gotta say, the last 20 years have really let me down as far as the films are concerned. And then with the wiping of the expanded universe and with now whatever the heck Disney's trying to do with it, I'm like, "Eh, I don't think it's really meant for me anymore. I don't feel like it's something that's being made for my consumption. It's being made for like a broad appeal and a general mass audience consumption. Well, I think that's but, one of the things is that you're. I think you're you're hitting it. It, it is make, being made for a, a, a mass appeal, so that maybe this particular part isn't for you, but it is for another person that you know, that maybe didn't like, uh, you know, the original trilogy or something like that. Or there's apparently a lot of people that didn't like the original trilogy, which <laughs> doesn't make sense when you look at the figures. But I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean. Uh, there's all kinds of people in the world, John. There's see, like I, I'm a person that didn't like Force Awakens, but I really like Rogue One, and I, you know, I feel like people that really love the original trilogy like Force Awakens a lot. See, and that's the problem Disney's having. And it's like, what is the common denominator here, so that we can get everybody to like everything we do from now on? But see, I think that's that's the thing is that they don't want to get everybody to like everything. They want to get everybody to like at least one thing. I mean, because Star Wars is going to make money no matter what. Like, you can sit there and say that Solo flopped, but it still made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. It's just, it was such a troubled experience. I've heard that uh, the writer 
and uh Lawrence Kasdan? Yes, that uh he was like ouch basically on his <laughs> Twitter like licking my wounds. I mean, especially since I believe that he said that was going to be his last one that he'd ever do and stuff like that. But, I mean, he created the character, kind of, helped. Yeah, I would say he was instrumental in shaping the character. So, uh, allowing him to, to try and crack that, that code again. I don't know. I really feel like a lot of people come down way too hard on the, on the movie. It's, it's, is it great? No. Is it terrible? Absolutely not. It's just an average movie. And that's the problem. Something like this shouldn't be just an average movie. If it was anything else that wasn't Star Wars, then it'd be perfectly fine. But- <laughs> See, and that's what I, that's where we get into the argument is that people put way too much fucking emphasis on, on Star Wars. Because it used to mean something. Did it, though? Yeah. No, I think it just it just captured childhood memories at that point. And now people just hold it to a really high esteem. Well, let's just say it has a reputation for a reason, and it's not living up to it anymore. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, sticking with Star Wars, Lucasfilm, um, they went and filed trademark for Star Wars Detours, which was a thing back in 2012, uh, made by the guys who make Robot Chicken, and, uh, you know... I don't think I ever remembered this thing, but I saw the trailer that was made back in 2012, and I thought this was hilarious. Did you did you know anything about this Star Wars Detours? I don't remember that at all. Must have blocked it out. Oh, so they uh, did you watch it when I when we posted it this week? I you know I've been doing overtime nah. all this past week. <laughs> I have not been on Facebook. So literally, it's it's not it's not animated stop motion animated like the way that the the robot chicken Star Wars specials are. But it's definitely that kind of humor. Oh, okay. So it's like little snippets of Star Wars, but like from side characters or you know, uh, you know, <laughs> just different point of views from Han or whoever. Did they get Lord and Miller to direct it? <laughs> no, they, I don't believe so. I believe it's still like Seth Green and Matt Seinrich or whatever his name is. Okay. But uh, I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it looked great. Um, you should uh, definitely give the trailer a, a check, but yeah, them Lucasfilm going in and trademarking uh, like I think it was like five different images that respond back to Star Wars detours. I think that means something. Like I think that means that we can definitely count on uh, seeing something be done with that, if not nothing at all. <laughs> uh, I just think that uh, it, it it it's. Once again, it's Lucasfilm and Disney trying to spread out to to capture a bunch of things. Like this is this is uh, if this worked out, if Star Wars Detours works out, then I think Mel Gibson, not Mel Gibson, I'm sorry, that's terrible. <laughs> Mel Brooks should definitely think about making uh, another Spaceballs that goes along with the new trilogy. Oh man, how old is Mel Brooks now? Well, I mean, so maybe not Mel Brooks himself, but he can oversee the whole thing. He could get Max Brooks to do it? Well, I mean, I like Max Brooks, but if you don't want Max Brooks, I imagine there's plenty <laughs> of other people that, that work for Mel that, that are writers and funny funny writers. Yeah, I feel like there's no current generation of Mel Brooks. Like, who would that be? Judd Apatow, maybe? Maybe Judd. That, that's yeah. not bad. Um, Seth. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen and, and James Evan, Franco. Evan Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Um... 
I mean, obviously they're 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 hitting it big with with Preacher and uh, you know their their movies and stuff. Dan Harmon, maybe. Dan Harmon would be pretty great. Yeah. I, I love I I love his uh, his meta take on a lot of things. Yeah, but see, the, the, I think one of the problems that Star Wars is having is that I think part of the reason why it was so good and so nostalgia laden was because it was a rare commodity. There was only so much of it, and it was so long ago in you know hindsight that now that it's becoming more commonplace, like maybe people just aren't caring as much anymore. I was like, oh, well, I mean, this one seems like whatever. I'll catch the next one if it seems interesting. So it's much easier to just, you know, pass on it because there's a lot more of it to go around. I just think that I think you just, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously for the big spectacle movies, people are still going out in droves to seeing it. So you just need to well, it's, it, the thing is that I think people hold up Star Wars too high, and that's literally like they, they, Disney and Lucasfilm are not going to be able to create anything that's going to be able to capture that again for people. So, so maybe the answer is that they shouldn't be trying to. No, they shouldn't. That's why I said they should just be making all this other stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think we sold it. Well, there you go, Disney, Lucasfilm. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you, oh, one thing I wanted to say. Uh, Adult Mike for um, Stranger or I'm sorry, Stephen it? King's It has yeah. been cast. I, I say Isaiah Mustafa. He uh, has been cast as a uh, as Adult Mike. So there's that. I don't, you, you know who Isaiah Mustafa is, right? You've seen his Old Spice commercials and uh, other things like that. Terry Crews? Nope. The other guy. <laughs> the other guy in the in the Old Spice oh, commercials. Oh, the other one. Yeah, okay. the one that says, uh, "Look at your man. Now look at me. Now look at your man." <laughs> Oh, I'm on a horse kind of thing. Okay, that guy. Yeah, yeah that one. Um, yeah, that, I just wanted to bring that up real quick. You know what? Now I kind of wish Terry Crews was cast as Mike. <laughs> I think that I think uh, Pennywise would be uh, would shit its pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how you get the clown from coming back. Yeah, there you, you go. Beef up. Uh, uh, James Wan, director of Aquaman. He tweeted out that the trailer for Aquaman is going to be at San Diego Comic Con and. With everything not showing up at San Diego Comic Con this year, like uh, uh, what's uh, Marvel, uh, HBO, um, I wonder if Lucasfilm is going to be there. I what what, they, what would they show at this point? I guess that's true. Yeah, so it's DC. DC Warner Brothers has the you know the big thing to be like, hey, here is our giant cock. <laughs> Let's show you all the things. I feel like all the like voodoo dolls that Warner Brothers has been investing in are finally kicking in. <laughs> Maybe. So this is their chance to strike. It could really be. Now, I like the uh, picture that they released of showing Black Manta's helmet. You like? I mean, they they released a whole bunch of pictures this week. That one caught my attention. I'm like, huh, that looks like Black Manta. You know, I'm like. And from what I understand, that's like the first helmet. Like, that's the proto helmet, the one that you see in the picture. Like, uh-huh. he's going to have several others and. I wonder if we're going to get a huge disc one at some point. That giant oval that he has yeah. in like the later. That'd yeah. be interesting. And they also released uh, Wonder Woman pictures. They did. So yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that. but like, I mean, they're lot, kind of related with a, Wonder Woman. A lot Aquaman. of people were just going off the rails and being like, well, why are they bringing him back from the dead? You know, how is they going to bring him back? Like, that's going to that's gonna ruin his sacrifice at the end of the first movie. And stuff like that. I literally think this is going to be some type of hallucination or it's going to be like uh, 
uh, maybe it's another god that's just kind of playing tricks on her. Like it's, it, or maybe my theory. She goes to uh, what would it be, Hades or whatever the afterlife. Get, but see, bringing him back to life negates well, no, his sacrifice. But not that he'd be brought back to life; that she would just see him there. So Hades, so the the Elysian Fields and 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 Hades is is a uh, is a mall in the in the nineteen eighties. I mean, it could be. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's where the vision starts. Because I mean, that's the the, the picture that you have of him is uh, like he's sitting there in this like kind of green jumpsuit and he's got a fanny pack on. It, he definitely looks like it, it's eighties fashion going on. Uh, I just think that's going to be another person that's walking around and she's going to turn her head and it's going to be. She'll get a glimpse of it, and it'll be Chris Pine as Steve Trevor, and then she'll look away, and then she'll look back, and it'll be another guy. Like it just, it will just be a hallucination. Like she's gonna be having problems, like for whatever reason, someone is playing tricks on her, thinking that Steve Trevor's still alive. Well, if it's true that Cersei might be the big bad, then Cersei. Well, yeah, Cersei and Cheetah. Yeah. So then she could be playing tricks on her mind. Definitely. Fragile little egg brain. Yeah. That's uh, so, and then you also got a picture of her standing in front of a giant wall of TVs, and I believe they they released a picture of her in her new costume, which I mean looks super cool because it's like super bright red, blue and gold. But it seemed a little too bright for it's, me. Yeah, it's destroying the continuity with Batman v Superman, where it looks like turd brown and slightly bronze. Well, then you had the the version of her that was in Justice League. Which is a little more colorful. I'm yeah. like, where did she have all these suits from? I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that maybe like her suit was just away for so long since she retired that it just tarnished. And, and in the newest picture, this new suit, she doesn't have the the skirt, right? Isn't it back to like the one piece? Yeah, it looked like the little like uh like panty bottom. Yeah, in the top, yeah. like the one that she wore in or the the like the Linda, Linda Carter, Carter version. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, that's uh, I don't know. I, Which I, I mean, that was my Wonder Woman growing up, so I'm not gonna <laughs> complain. Uh, and then also, Lucifer got saved by Netflix. Uh, it was funny because for the longest time they were talking about Hulu. Like they were, there's all this talk about Hulu might save them, and Hulu and Hulu, Hulu, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Netflix came in. It's like, all right, we'll we'll let you have your fourth season. Isn't that ironic that Netflix saved Lucifer? I mean, make a deal with the devil, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I know you wanted to talk about Mike Manola. Yes. So the creator of Hellboy has come out and said that this new version of Hellboy with David Harbour as the red one is going to be more of a horror movie than a superhero movie. This is basically uh, after concerns that there's already an oversaturation of superhero movies on the market. Which, I mean, let's admit it, there kind of is. We're getting like two or three per year now. Um, and that's like on a light year. So, yeah, this is going to focus more on the horror aspects. Uh, they're rated R, so they're not going to hold back, really. And I am interested. I would like to see that. I I really like Del Toro's vision. Mm-hmm. But I hate it that it had to be kitty-friendly because of the PG-13 aspect. I would definitely like to see more of the... Uh, Lovecraftian elements and the body horror that is also prevalent in that world. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm excited because of David Harbour. So whatever they end up doing, I'm, I'm sure I'm a, I'm at least going to be there to see it. Yeah. I'll whether whether I like it or not is, is another story. And I'll be wondering later if he'll be tweeting that, oh man, filming that thing was like the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> like every day, all that time in the makeup chair... 
Uh, and then, did you go and see Incredibles two this weekend? I did. I did too. What What did you? Didn't you pull up some some stats though for it? Yes. Um. Apparently, it's gonna do all right in the box office. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's only like the biggest opening animated movie like ever now. <laughs> and um, I think it's in like the top ten of like the biggest opening uh, movies ever as well. Which I think at this point they're all Disney movies now. <laughs> True. I mean, that makes sense. Except with maybe Avatar, but pretty soon that might be Disney's property, if not Cox, one of the two, or yeah, Comcast. Or Comcast, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Incredibles 2 is doing gangbusters, and I believe it, because I went to go see it Saturday around 4 p.m., and I was literally in the front row on the far left-hand side, <laughs> and I don't think I could see exactly what was happening on the right side of the screen. It was oh. at such an extreme angle. <laughs> I went to I went Saturday and I went to the I think it was the two o'clock show yeah around two o'clock and I ended up having to do the three the 3D version so I sat in the the very back. Yeah, how was it in 3D? Uh, I mean, it it was good. It it, it I, I don't know I don't know if 3D really awes me all that much anymore. Um, I try not to buy the 3D version of movies or to go see the 3D version of movies because I think you're just wasting your money, but it was the what was available at the time. I gotta say, though, Doctor Strange in 3D looked amazing. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I think that the Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp is gonna, be look, is gonna look pretty cool with the 3D. Oh, yeah, with the, when they go into the microverse? The, oh, or yeah. the, the quantumverse or whatever yeah. they're calling it, yeah. Um, but there was there were some some cool parts that were that were pretty decent with the with the 3D. So uh, I, I'm just I'm just glad I got to see it, and, uh, and maybe we'll get into it in the ne- in another episode down yeah, the line. But but like spoiler free, just what were your thoughts on it? My I, my thoughts was I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Uh, I mean I love the the first movie. It's it's by far my favorite Pixar movie, and uh, the, the second one I think I think it was. Okay, it, it, maybe if it wasn't if it wasn't just as good, it's just underneath it. I want to agree with that sentiment. I feel like it was right on. It didn't surpass it, Mm-mm. but by no means was it bad. No, it was it was kind of right on its heels. It was funnier, in my opinion. You like the it jokes was, better. There was a lot more, yeah, a lot more humor. And um, one thing that I want to ask though is that did okay, and and because th- this comes up a lot in the movie. That they didn't realize that, and I don't know. Okay, this might be a spoiler. You can you can consider it a spoiler or not. So skip forward two minutes if if you if you if you don't want to hear anything at all. But Jack uh, uh, Jack, they don't realize they didn't realize at the end of the first movie that Jack Jack has powers. Like no. when he's up there with Syndrome, he's using his powers. They couldn't see what he was doing though. It's implied heavily that they were not aware he had powers. Although at the end of the movie, he also suits up. Um, but I think that was meant more as a joke because right. we didn't know there was going to be a sequel. No, they had absolutely no. But idea. yeah, no, they established that they didn't really know he had powers, uh, especially if you saw some of the supplemental material. Um, kind of an Easter egg as to what they did to what was his name, Tony or Anthony, the the, the high school crush. Oh, Tony, yeah, Tony yeah. Reitinger. Yeah, Tony Reitinger. So they did the same thing to the babysitter in the first movie. It was in the short film Jack Jack Attacks. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was the first person to witness that he had powers. Right, and she's on the on the message. She's like, "You're you have a special baby." Yeah, or a special and baby um, or something like that. and she's freaking out, so they don't they don't hear what she's saying. And so in the uh, in that little like epilogue, they have uh, 
Rick Dicker, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, basically take her statement and then wipe her memory. So if anybody knew, he did, but he never told them, right. apparently. Okay. I, I just, To me, it just seemed like they would have saw what he was doing to Syndrome when Syndrome was holding him. So, I think Mrs. Incredible or Elastigirl, whatever you want to call her as, she mentions something like, I can't see what's happening. Throw me up there or something uh, like that. Okay. Fair enough. No, that's that's the only thing that to me it was it seemed weird because it kept popping up in the movies like, Jack Jack has powers. And I was like, well, yeah, didn't you see him when he? And he had even fire? more powers than he did the last time too. Oh yeah, multipli- multiplication thing. And, yeah. Uh, so, but no, I loved I loved the introduction of the new heroes. Uh, the only thing that I was like, uh, I don't know, I, I guess some of the stuff seemed a little too obvious. <laughs> like it, it was a little too predictable. But it's not that type of movie, so it was okay. If I had one complaint, is that I didn't find the villain compelling or interesting, like Syndrome. Yeah. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll go with you there. Uh, I mean, I feel like they tried to to make it uh, uh, compelling, but it just it falls kind of short. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, she totally looks like she's a bad guy. Like, yeah, from the beginning, she looked all tweaked out and everything. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm just give that away. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into Westworld? Uh, no, that's pretty much all my stories for today. Okay, Westworld season two, episode eight, Kiksuya. Kiksuya. Uh, this is a very different episode, mm-hmm. and it's kind of shows us that uh, the leader of the Ghost Nation, he woke <laughs> before anybody else, any of the other uh, um, hosts. Hosts, thank you. Uh, and it's literally because of the the maze thing in in the, in the scalps. Yep. And it's because he. So okay. The the scene that he goes and he he walks up upon is the scene where Dolores killed uh, Arnold, and then Witten killed everybody else. Right. Yeah. And uh, he then walks into the bar or whatever and picks up the little maze that has the the ball that he that arnold was messing around with and uh that wakes him up but why wasn't their little tribe part of being in this circle like they had everybody else there i don't understand like arnold and and ford went and made these guys and he's like hey you guys just stay over there you know we figure you're good you're you're done you don't need any more refining like we're doing with the the rest of these people over here like the white people. There is some explanation for this, and there was some debate about this on Reddit. So, essentially, and this comes up to a, be a very important point later on when we find out that um, he's basically been like an alpha build that has never been updated in like 10 years that Westworld was in operation. Mm-hmm. So, the reasoning is that as you get further away from the central hub, which I, I believe is Sweetwater, right. that's where it gets more and more dangerous. The further from the center of the of the park you get, the more realistic the danger is. As they stated in the first season where they said, like, uh, the, the closer you get to the edges, the, the more danger it is. Yes, or the more realistic danger or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you still won't die, but you could get hurt. So the tribe was, like, right on the outskirts of that boundary, essentially. And they were created initially as just a peaceful tribe, but then they repurposed several of the uh, hosts to be uh, essentially Ghost Nation, right. which is their more um, savage. Uh, tribal, yeah. savage, yeah, and you know, stereotypical like cowboy versus Indian type things. Warrior, yeah. And um, so, yeah, uh, 
them being so far on the outskirts, they rarely, if ever, died. And so thus no reason for uh, technicians to come up, pick them up, bring them back and then upgrade them. Yeah. With the new programming. So uh, and like we also catch it upon somewhere later, too, where like, whoa, how did this uh, you know host get so far out of like her range? Like this is unusual. Um, when a couple of techs do find her, they come across her, then they take her back or I think they decommission her because uh, she ends up in the meat locker. But um, yeah, so the story is basically and by the way, kind of as an Easter egg. Uh, what was his name? Um, Aket. Oh, Akeche. Ake Akecheta. Akecheta. Yes, thank you. Um, his host body was one of the two, along with Angela, that made the pitch to Logan. Oh, that's right. I didn't. Even, you're right. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was him. And so, yeah, like you were saying, he's the first one to start to remember that he had a life before the park. And he, uh, the whole philosophy, uh, it's something that's mentioned throughout. I think they mentioned it a couple of times in season one. Um, Somebody from the Ghost Nation uh, spoke to Dolores and said, um, you only die when there's no one left to remember you. Mm. Or something to that effect. And then they say that again to, I believe, Stubbs in season two when they catch him. It was around the time that uh, they also caught Emily. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the Ghost Nation tells them, like, you you live as long as you're remembered. Mm-hmm. And that brings in the philosophy that Akicheta basically started to teach those in his tribe that there was something more. And, I mean, of course, they put it in terms that they can understand based on their cultural programming. But it also has a very deep spiritual connotation to it. If you remember also from season one, one of the things that trips made out is when she sees one of the uh, uh, Lakota children. that Playing happens with to be, a... Yeah, she has a little, like, Kachina doll, and it happens to look like a technician. Right. And this would explain why, because the ghost nation can remember being taken to the uh, underground facility for... Uh, repairs and healing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, another point that they make in Reddit is that when Ford is talking about how there is a character or a, a host who is exceeding his programming and he's becoming a whole person, everybody just assumed it was Dolores that he was talking about. It might actually have been Akacheta this whole time. Because then we see that Akacheta met Ford. He did. And he recognized that this was his maker, his creator. And then he even, yeah, he says, like, you, the, your next step will be when uh, the Deathbringer comes for me. Yep. Or something like that. Which, I mean, th- the whole way that this episode was written was just, like, I was on the edge of my seat. I was paying so much attention to this episode. It was such a great episode. Yeah. Um, really beautifully shot, too. Some great cinematography. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, for, for once, we didn't get a... We're not getting a route of jumping around and different timelines and stuff like that. This is... I mean, for the most part, it's kind of a linear of following Akacheta from from his conception to what he is now. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of him talking to um, the little girl, uh, Maeve's daughter. Which, do we know her name? I can't. I, if we do, I don't remember it. I, I was just like, they just call her the, her daughter. Yeah. I can't think of I can't think of it. So the the idea that um, she, she, she is being told the story by Akacheta is also very interesting. But as we come to see at the end of the episode, um, 
he's not only talking to uh, Maeve's daughter, but he's also talking to Maeve. Yeah, he's been communicating with her telepathically. Kind of. And this gets brought up. It's something that I said a couple episodes back, is that uh, the reason she's able to uh, take over uh, other hosts without having to actually speak anymore is because they have some type of uh, neural mesh that connects them so that they know what one is going to do to the next or, you know, they can have this like thing. So she's literally tapping into that and then, and then taking, taking them over. So she's using the neural mesh to, to talk to him from a distance, which is also crazy. And one of the aspects I really liked about this episode's presentation in general is that it gives you a completely different point of view and it shows you that we were led to believe something very wrong about the ghost nation in general. Oh yeah. Which is they're not the bad guys. Nope. If anything, they've been fighting for uh, host rights, essentially. (laughs) They've been trying to spread the message in the best way that they know how, which is by sharing the image and by just trying to keep that information alive. And um, and then yeah. you notice by the time that we get to the point where they're telling, he's telling the story to uh, Maeve's daughter, like all of the tribe has become no- ghost, ghost nation. Like even the the one that he's like, I I saw your son, and you know he's he's in the next world or whatever you want to call it. Which I love that we get that perspective from them because how else would you describe that if you had no real understanding of technology and mm-hmm. that was happening to you? Mm-hmm. I mean kind of a, in a meta sort of way like that is almost like an ancient aliens uh, theory <laughs> yeah, there no kidding you know he he believes he went into the underworld and by all means he did yeah um, except that you know because of his understanding of it it has that spiritual connotation and um, they also pointed out on reddit that uh, when Akacheta finds the that original pit which he believes is the doorway that leads you out of the what he describes as the fake world or the illusion. Which is, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I was wondering, I, I wanted to ask you what where that pit was. I believe that's where, uh, okay, so that's another good question. Reddit also made a lot of comparisons. Um, it seems like this pit is in that same section where at the beginning of season two, you see what young William showed Dolores that this is going to be like his big project. Okay. And you see uh, some of those earth excavators. Mm-hmm. This appears to also be the same area where um, Dolores keeps having the vision of the ocean meeting the mountain. Okay. And but when he goes back to that area, it's all filled in. Yes. Uh, but somebody pointed out that uh, because you can see like seven huge like tertiary layers, that that's um, a symbolism for Dante's Inferno and the seven levels of hell. Jeez. I was like... That is pretty deep. Yeah. But then somebody turned it into a meme, and then they just started finding all kinds of different stupid things in there. It's like, oh, and these four pipes over here represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> and this milk milk jug shape over here is for the purity of the host. And oh, I was like, geez. okay. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, someone else had put on the IMDb trivia for it is that Akacheta's Aka- uh, love story shares similarities with the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Eurydice. Oh, I thought they were gonna say of uh, Silver Fox and Logan. Oh, and there you go. Too. Was it? What's that? Uh, was the? Was it the Wolverine in the in, and the moon? In or the something? moon, yeah, something like that. So, uh, it's like something out of Avatar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 
yeah, this this episode is pretty great. So when he returns to that area and it's all filled in, I mean, it's just he's just under the assumption that it's been covered up or that it's no longer there or what or do you, I mean I feel like the way he interprets it is not that it was filled in but it's just gone like it just doesn't exist anymore okay but he believes he can find it again yes and he's trying to help uh, trying to get everyone else to come along with him mm-hmm. everyone that's accepted it anyway that so when in when we see that flashback again where he's talking to Maeve's daughter and essentially Maeve um and he says, you know, I've always been there to try and actually help you, but there was you and misinterpreted it. Uh, and then I, I guess that's when he went and drew the symbol on the ground, and and then we see old William come in, shoot the two of them, and or shoot the the daughter, and and Maeve goes out there to uh, stand in the middle of the symbol. Like, is that? Was he creating that so that Maeve could eventually start to be awakened? Well, he was trying to share the symbol for sure. Um, but he didn't truly understand what it meant anyway either. That was another thing I was going to bring up. So you know how, I don't know, there's like those the those little toys that, that like Disney has that if you have a web camera and you, you put the little symbol in front of the web camera on the monitor you can actually see like a toy or a figure or something like that yeah like an augmented reality app. yeah 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 so what if that 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 maze symbol is is something like is like a qr (laughs) code and they can see it because they're computers but we can't and that's why it it awakens something else like they see something completely different than what william sees like william looks at it and he sees a maze and he's just like oh this means something, but they literally, like like they said in the first, it's not for you. It, it means nothing to you. It's for us. It's the key that unlocks the door. Right. So, yeah. like, what if it's, like, something like that? I like that idea very much. So I'm going to adapt it as my own. Okay. Claim it <laughs> as an original idea. It's okay. We share kind of a, a hive mind, so. Very true. It's the mesh. It's the mesh. It's, it's the mesh. Uh what did you think? Uh, so it says here also the episode's name of Kiksuya means remember in Lakota, which is very appropriate. Um, the piano. The piano obviously playing Nirvana, heart-shaped box. I like it when they... Um, what's, what's the symbolism there, do you think? Um, like all I can ever... I just... I always think of the... And whenever I hear that song, it's the eat your cancer part. Like that's the <laughs> that sticks in my head. I always think of, hey, Wayne, I got a real complaint. And then Wayne Swirl saying... And then Wayne Because <laughs> they did like a sketch there when, yeah. when, when, in Saturday Night Live when that came out. And they're talking about, huh? What? You talking to me kind of thing? Yeah. I was like, if you have a problem, we can talk it out with Kurt or something like that. <laughs> um... Julia Jones and Boo Boo Stewart also appeared together as siblings in the Twilight Saga films. I don't know what that means anything to you. I have no. Who were these characters? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming those are actors that were part of the, the oh, tribe. Oh, they were probably in the Ghost Nation. Yeah, they were probably the werewolf tribe or whatever. Probably. I mean, that makes sense. Because apparently you... Native Americans equals werewolves. Yep, that's that's true. I mean, skinwalkers, that's, that's a thing. Oh, so racist so racist okay um i don't know i mean like like there's uh, what's some more stuff that you want to i mean is is uh the the english guy is he is he catching feelings for mave sizemore, sizemore. well that's an interesting thing because i mean 
early on he was very all about self-preservation and even tried to sell out um, Maeve a couple of times there doesn't really seem to be any specific reason why he's had a huge change of heart yeah that seemed very weird to me too and uh, the idea that, like that this guy who's a technician why is he like this this is the Sizemore is the head writer there like shouldn't he have more privileges and stuff like that can can someone in someone else just this this technician come in and be like you need to get out of here kind of thing yeah I mean it's it's a different thing it's like the difference between being a, a creative and being a uh, business not so much business but like a trade I guess okay I mean like you may have some authority in some areas but when it comes to you know tearing the guts out of a hose like what say does he have and doesn't it seem kind of weird that there's a technician like doing this work while the park is being essentially destroyed and there's hosts killing people and stuff normally I think that would be weird except for the fact that we know that they're there specifically to retrieve as much as they can. They've been trying to smuggle it out in secret, mm-hmm. and now the jig is up, and they just try to, like, you know, get it however they can. So it's, it's like a fire sale, just grab as much as It's like the difference can. between trying to hack, like, an ATM and then saying, fuck it, tying a chain to it and pulling it out <laughs> with your car, you know? It's like, you just got to get out with it. <laughs> nice and sloppy. Uh, does Maeve survive this? I think so. Yeah. I think um, if we get a season three, you see Maeve continuing. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I I find it hard to see the show continuing without any of the major characters. Um, but how that's gonna play out is anybody's. You know, I I think we're gonna get them getting out of the park eventually, and then you're gonna have um, I'm hoping sort of a war for the planet of the apes type style <laughs> scenario. Wow. Where you get the the humans versus the host type thing, but we'll see. I'm I'm really curious where they're gonna go with it. So I also have another theory hypothesis. Um, Grace, William's daughter, is it is it possible that he was right and he she is a host? I don't think so. I mean, she's she she knows how to speak Lakota. Which he 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 himself even said he never took the time to do. Mm-hmm. He never learned. She's good with gun. She knows how to ride. You know she. The only thing that we. The only thing that I would say is because she 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 shot a visitor when we saw her in Raj World. But if she is a host that's programmed to know that this is a a a playground, like she would know that that wasn't going to hurt that guy. Just like she said, you know. But wouldn't she know that he was a host too? But she's playing a part. That's a very meta part to play. Because at this point she's doing it for that host, not for herself. That's true. I don't know. No, I think she's But no, she deal. could be she could be just like uh she could be just like Bernard. Not really knowing that she's a, a host, but she is a host. I'm curious now. See, I, I don't know. I just think the fact that she survived uh, Raj World, she survived uh, the tiger, she survived jumping off the cliff, she survived being in the Ghost Nation, or being found by the Ghost Nation. And then again, those two things could be two separate timelines again. Uh, and then and then she, you know, she's she's there with her father, and even her father's not like, it's kind of like, I thought you didn't want to be around me. What are you doing here kind of thing. And then I don't know. The, what really set me off was the fact that she could speak the same language, the Lakota language. 
Like, it just seemed weird that she would take the time when her father didn't even take the time. And she doesn't even like being in Westworld. She, she prefers going to Rajworld. Because they've done a lot with languages in this season, too. Like, yeah. hosts know all languages so that they can be uh, accommodating to whoever shows up in the park. All right. So, if in the next episode we see Japanese armistice, like, have a conversation with Grace, uh-huh. then I'll be like, okay. There, there's some strong possibility we're seeing some host <laughs> issues here. Uh, what did you think about um, uh, Akacheta finding um, Ben Barnes? Well, Logan. That was cool because I was like, oh, when they showed the previously on Westworld uh, thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they showed that scene where William sends Logan off on his own into the middle of the desert. Right. I'm like, oh, I hope we get to see where what led to, like where that went. And we kind of did. We saw that um, the host horse basically died of exhaustion or dehydration or something. And he was uh, basically like sunbaked. Yeah. And um, muttering to himself. And Akicheta just was like. Uh, Here, take this blanket. <laughs> yeah. Like um, somebody will come find you. You'll be all right. And then he and, says something to him. He's, he's the one that kind of says, like, this, is a, this isn't the real world or something like that. To yeah, him. he was telling him. He was basically gibbering, but saying, like, this isn't the real world. But the interesting part was that Akicheta could understand him. Right. Which but is, he is a host. He's supposed to be able to understand all kinds of languages. Yeah. But I feel like that was kind of breaking the rules a little bit. The okay. fact that he could understand him perfectly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, that was pretty cool that, you know, like, the mutterings of this guy kind of just reinforced what he was already suspecting is that his world wasn't real mm-hmm. um so there were some very meta like uh inception things going on in there and it's like he now knows that this is not the real world and he wants to get out of it isn't it weird that whenever you have a story where somebody realizes like oh this this isn't a real reality like truman show the matrix except for that one guy that wanted to go back in most everybody immediately like the instinct seems to be to want to get out right well without no one, even really knowing what's out there yeah like, but you no don't know one, this is better yeah but no one wants to be the, the fool no one wants to be the person that's being tricked that's why you always take the the real thing over no matter if it's worse or not i don't know though i think the current state of our reality tells me different <laughs> i think people would rather have a reassuring lie than an uncomfortable truth i mean well that's what be, that's what movies and fiction would would have you believe is that no one would want to pick the see but how good is this show that it brings up such philosophical topics it's, like this it's very good it's 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 literally <laughs> goes back to plato and you know the the allegory cave. of yeah, the cave yeah, yeah exactly um which we spend a lot of time in caves in this season. Yeah, it's also very true. Um, what was I going to bring up? Uh, uh, oh, one thing it was kind of weird with me was like at the one part when after Akacheta had already gotten back his uh, his love, I forget what her name was, but they are traveling around together, and uh, the part where he leaves her to go get food. And that's when the the technicians come to pick her up and be like, "Oh, you're really far away from where you're supposed to be." He's coming back with like two rabbits, right? Yeah. But we know all the animals are are hosts, so those aren't real rabbits. Like, what exactly do, do, are they gonna do? Like, it's the same thing with the boar when they drop the boar. The ghost nation drops the boar off for the 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 tribes people to to eat. Like. There's no actual meat on those animals. Well, it's, technically, yes, there is. Um, it's is very, there? It's well, I mean, it's not like our kind of meat, you know. Like, but it is still organic material. 
and I it's I would venture to say that they could probably eat it and gain it as I mean they're still technically biological to some degree but they, I doubt they need nutrients and stuff like that they don't need uh, protein or, or you know vitamins that you would get from r- regular food well let's it's just all say be for show let's just say for the sake of argument it is just for show they are designed probably with fully intact uh, digestive systems to go through the whole process even if they don't get anything out of it but it does beg the question what powers them if a cachetta was able to live for 10 years without a recharge that we know of uh, is it an upgrade not a recharge I, I would assume that it's all all uh, solar powered maybe but i don't know who knows you're yeah I, I doubt that's anything that they're ever gonna tap into my it's just it's just a hey keep it going it could be a nuclear fucking back battery <laughs> last for a long time yeah they can last for five thousand years yeah um my theory because we know from like just seeing the intro and several you know other scenes they are mostly now at least some sort of organic synthetic organic um, the only part now that we know for sure is still mechanical is their brain. Right. Everything and else seems to be um, some kind of hybrid. So I would venture to say that we are being led to believe that they can eat the wildlife and gain sustenance from it. Okay. I mean, they can drink alcohol. Well, they they can they can pour liquid into their mouths. It could just be held somewhere. It doesn't. It's not necessarily getting anything from it. All right, so this is what we need to see before the end of the season. We still got, what, one or two episodes, two episodes. left? Two episodes left. We need to see a host taking a shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see how, how the bodies and all the creatures are made. It's got that all that white, fibrous, like, 3D printing and stuff. Most of that stuff is like that until they get the blood pumped into them, though. They did show that in the first season. Um, when they're making a host, yeah, they look all super white and creepy, like the the uh, those drones, the host drones. Yeah. Um, until they start pumping in the the blood, and then they turn flesh colored. So it's very likely that that could be. Um, I mean, just like us, you know, if you drain us of all the blood, then we look pretty pale too. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, I don't know. Is there? I mean, there's, like, this is a really great episode. It gave us a lot of insight into uh, the hosts themselves and and what's going on. Is there anything else in particular you wanted to, to hit on? Uh, yeah. The one last thing I wanted to mention was the fact that uh, from the ending of last of uh, the let the previous episode where William gets all shot up, Akuchetta finds him takes him back and they sort of nurse him back to health kind of but and, and the, i like this his thing is like we're, we're gonna let you live because we want you to live through hell kind of thing like yeah your punishment is to live not like, to die it's like he knows that this guy needs to suffer for what he's done yeah and um and i forgot so. about that like when we see william old william he's pulling a, a fucking leonardo DiCaprio from Revel- Rev- revenant like just dragging his body his lower half, which doesn't seem to be working at all, and he's got one good arm just dragging it, to, and he tries to get to the water. Yeah. So he gets rescued. I, I, it looks like they nurse him back to health. And a good part. So by the end of the episode, uh, Emily, a.k.a. Grace, shows up and says, uh, I'm going to take him. And she just strolls up like it's no big deal. Wait, like, why is it a.k.a.? Uh, well, because her name is Emily. 
but she was saying her name was Grace when we first saw her as a grown-up. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it that I just thought her name was Grace. Uh, no, that's well. See, that's how good she was at fooling you. Yeah, because she's a host. Because she, <laughs> she can be anything you want her to be. There you go. If you can't tell, does it matter? No. Oh, thank you, yeah. Tula. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, but no, you were saying when she she takes off with her dad. So yeah, yeah, she just strolls up into their like compound. She's like, "Hey, I'm here for my dad." And I was like, "Well, he needs to live." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I know that's what I'm gonna do too." And um, just takes him. I'm like, "Holy shit, dude!" Like, not too long ago, it seemed like they were gonna execute you, and now you just roll up like you know it ain't no thing. Like, what's going on? Like you're a host, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. See, it's Damn there. It. <laughs> it's there. It's now implanted in your brain. She's got that. Yeah, you incepted me. I did. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I, uh, I, obviously, she's gonna have to be, play a bigger part in the next couple episodes, and whatever the story with William is gonna end up being. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season finale. Yeah. Find out what the what's what's gonna happen there. Uh, all right. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Uh, no, that was the big points. Uh, if anybody would like to talk to us about uh, what you saw in Westworld this episode, we'd love to hear from you. We'd definitely love to hear from you about this episode. Um, I'm on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G-E-R. John I is also on Twitter as... At Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekElitRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs>